0: Hey, folks, in this interview, it's all about implied nude photography. This is Twitter. Hey, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today on the show, I have the distinct distinct pleasure of having a good friend of mine, Mr. Matt Granger. You've seen him on the show before. Uh, This time, he's joined by somebody that's more cool than he is. Her name is Stephanie Fam.
1: Oh,
0: <laughs> and she happens to be a, a model and several other things that we're going to learn about during this interview. Um, she and Matt collaborated on a project, a tutorial, a training uh, course on implied nude photography. So they're kind of the one-two punch in that industry right now. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some of the the secrets that. That photographers need to know about in order to be successful in that genre of photography and sort of avoid some of the pitfalls that that a lot of people fall into. So, Matt and Stephanie, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing?
2: Hi, everyone. Hi. Thanks for having us, Frederick.
0: Yeah, welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay, so uh, first of all, before we before we kick this off, Stephanie, can you? Tell us who you are. We all know who Matt is. So whatever. But we, <laughs> we want to we know about you. And then we'll, Matt, we'll get to you. And then we'll dive into the interviews. Stephanie Pham, P-H-A-M, um, pronounced yes. Pham like family. Um, tell us about you. What's your what's your involvement in this project?
1: Hi. Okay, so I'm Stephanie Pham, obviously. Uh, So I model and um, I've been modeling for about 10 years now. And I have experience in implied nude portraitures for about five years. And in the course specifically, I actually like give my two cents in terms of like the model's perspective, because like, I feel like there's a lot of things that the photographer could learn more about the model side that could actually help improve their photos and also communication with the models so that's pretty much our involved well my involvement in terms of like how the course goes um and i guess myself personally besides modeling i'm also acting i also have my own youtube channel cool. um and just, yeah i'm always busy i'm that's a workaholic awesome. you're
0: a content creator that's what you are you're a content yeah. creator <laughs> mm-hmm. matt granger just give us the the elevator pitch for you you and i met a long time ago you were doing you, you've you since rebranded, but back then, you were uh, doing stuff very specific to Nikon, and now you've shifted, mm-hmm. you've seen the, no, I'm not gonna say you've seen the light, but you've you, you rebranded uh, away from being brand specific. Tell us about that mm-hmm. journey a little bit.
2: So, well, to be honest, I, I had the name that Nikon guy, which I chose the day that I started the channel, which actually we just had, I think it was the eighth anniversary, eight year anniversary, I, Forget the gear, but it was definitely the end of January when I started the channel. Uh, and it was just because I had a bag full of Nikon equipment. So I thought, let's reach out and get the Nikon users at Leech, yeah. at least. But I never only looked at Nikon gear and only or only used Nikon gear. And it got to the point basically where I was with one of my business advisors, he kind of was brainstorming with me saying, so what's the best case scenario would be what you become a Nikon ambassador, but then you wouldn't be able to talk about other brands Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't be able to give your honest opinion if it was negative about Nikon gear, which I didn't want that. And on the other hand, you know, think of it outside of photography, GM isn't going to work with that Ford guy. No, that's right. (laughs) And if you're a Ford lover you may not want to view a channel called that GM guy. So, seeing I'm not only doing Nikon gear, how about just make it my name? And because you know half of what I'm doing is actually about travel or technique or eating seafood or mm-hmm. playing with my cats. Well, that's not half my content, but that's it's a lot of It's a lot of it. I though, I Come on, it's a lot of it. It's not um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not just Nikon camera. My cats are right here. I'm so tempted to bring them. Don't say um, anything bad because they're looking at you. <laughs> Um, but I think with Steph's intro, she was a little bit too modest there. We, we've we been working together for close to three years now. The She was, the, I think, the first model I – well, definitely the first model in the States that I really connected with Yay. and kept working with <laughs> on an ongoing basis. Um, and she still comes all the way up from Philly to New York to work whenever we're filming together. And she brings – a lot more to the table than just standing in a beautiful outfit in front of a camera. So I've learned a lot from her about posing and to be honest about scheduling and a lot of things about getting the most out of my time. And any good model, you know, I don't need to soften this for Steph, she knows where (laughs) I'm going with this, but being a great model isn't about being exceptionally good looking. A great model is someone who knows their poses knows their angles is professional is reliable who's good to work with who takes direction who understands the goal of the shoot and helps you get there and often the most amazing models i've worked with steph is an exception because she is very beautiful (laughs) as well the uh you wouldn't even notice them on the street it's once they hit their pose that everything lights up for the camera, it's not about looking like you just walked off a magazine cover shoot all the time. Yeah. So it's all of that experience that uh, I really wanted to bring to this series, because in any shoot that I have with Steph, at least half of the pose inspiration comes from her and from her experience and having worked with so many different photographers. So. She has a lot to bring to the table in the series rather than just dropping in a little two cents here and there. It was really about trying to show both sides of the process because you can't get, I think, anyway, you can't get consistent good results if you're not both comfortable in a shoot. And that goes twofold if it's a nude or revealing shoot and i think maybe even more so when it's implied because if it's nude it's nude so nothing can accidentally slip into the shot if it's implied but someone's you know that if it's you don't have an established relationship of trust there may be that element of is more going to be shown than i was intending so well let's put a fine point on that the the the, the whole part the, the
0: the discussion around nude versus implied versus you know what? Here in the United States, you know the United States is is well known for its hypocrisy and and, and puritanical type behavior, right? You know, we can show nuclear bombs taking on taking on entire cities, but if you show a nipple, that's the end of the world, right? So, <laughs> so let, let's put a fine point on that from the experts, both of you guys. So, what is what? Like, where? How do you, in your minds, as professional? you know, content creators that that play in this genre, how do you define nude versus um, implied versus porn versus whatever, right? Because people lump
2: all that stuff together. How do you split it out? I'll jump in and then if you want to take yeah, over sure. as well. But yeah. it's um, it's, I think it's a really good question. And I hate to not give a precise answer, but I think the fact that that is so imperfectly defined is where a lot of the, the issues come from. And that's something, again, that we were trying to do in this course is to be clear that what I consider to be implied or boudoir or too much and not tasteful anymore will be different to Steph, will be different to you and will be different in every viewer. So you actually need to have that conversation really explicitly and clearly each time with the model, because if I've shot with Steph a hundred times now, more than that. I know this is what she's cool with, this is what she's not cool with, this stuff I we haven't shot, so I'd better check that with her, but a lot of it we can actually take for granted now. Yeah. That doesn't mean that if I go and shoot with another model, they're going to be cool and uncool with the same stuff. So you need to have those conversations again. So if you're that showing that shot there of her uh, sitting on her back, you know, if you were saying, okay, so it's going to be uh, a nude back, but it won't show any private parts. So, for some people, that may mean a little bit of bum crease is fine. For some, it will mean not at all, it needs to be side on be really, really specific about it. So if we're not showing nipples, does that mean showing the entire breast other than nipple is okay? Mm -hmm. Or we're intending not to show breast at all. It may seem pedantic, but you really want to be totally clear on that so that that takes out a lot of the guesswork. If before you get to the shoot, we've both said, okay, these long laundry list of things are not going to be shot That's clear. And these specific things are what we're shooting for. That takes a lot of the guesswork out of there. And something that we talk about in this series is, and I think this is where, and it's justified, I think, there is a bad reputation in this part of the kind of, I don't know, there's mud in the water. I don't know how to explain it exactly. Because... There are, you know, dodgy photographers out there who are saying, we're going to shoot this, but are actually maybe shooting more or end up sharing things they said they weren't going to. So I think a key concept is, if we've agreed that X, Y, and Z aren't going to be shown in the final image, then why the hell do they need yeah. to be shown at the photo shoot right yeah if my camera can't yeah. see it why do I need to see it
0: and Steph- and Stephanie how do, you, how do you chime in on that like from your perspective you know it's setting expectations and 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 knowing what you're getting yourself into before you hop in the car to drive to the location like it, it looking at it through the quote lens of how people perceive these different genres of photography pornography uh implied nude and nude like how do you what what how do you come in on that
1: well i agree with everything that matt said he like pretty much covered everything um communication is super important it may be a little bit uncomfortable for a lot of like models or even photographers to even have that conversation but i think it's really important to just you, you have to do it. If this is something that you really want to produce, and you really want to learn, then having that conversation with each other and actually getting the finer details and understanding what the goal of the shoot is, it, it makes things so much easier when it comes to the shoot day, because like if a model is uncomfortable it's very obvious to see that in Mm -hmm. any image even if they're trying really hard kind of just like okay i'm fine but this is still a little weird you can see it in their eyes Mm -hmm. and you don't want that because it'll mess up the image um but i think with this course in particular i know we get a lot of questions in terms of like or even comments like oh that image it's it's nude and how i would define nude is like full nipples breasts um general like completely nude naked like just fully exposed yeah, yeah but if it's implied it's implied that the person is naked so they may not necessarily be naked they may actually have covers or they're wearing lingerie or underwear or they're it, i mean that's how i think we define implied for the series so it's very tasteful Um, And with when matt asked me about it, I was perfectly down with it because One i've already created like we already have that trust between each other. Yeah And there was clear communication of like what was going on like what shots were going to be produced Um and the fact that I actually could put in my two cents of like oh I think adding these poses would be very beneficial on the model side and like I think a photographer directing a model in a certain way would also help too. Um, so I think it's a very, I guess, full course of information that I think is really beneficial for anybody who's interested in even giving it a try.
2: Yeah. When, so, yeah. so the, the definition, sorry, to, just the, the definition point though, I want to make it clear when, well, I'm not, so I'm speaking for the we, sorry. <laughs> um, we're not trying to say that is the textbook definition that should be what implied uh, new portraiture is. That's what we're teaching in this course. Mm -hmm. That's how we're defining it because we had that conversation and came to an understanding that if you show female nipples, anyone's full backside or anyone's genitals, you'll get kicked off social media. Then that's explicit. The flip side of explicit is implied. So through the series You know, there's some shots where it's not practical to remain fully covered because, you know, if it was, make it as simple as a chest, if you're covered like this, then yes, wearing a little strapless bra, you could be completely hiding that or just wearing small covers. But if you're going to show the side or the back or the shoulders, then straps aren't going to work. So Mm -hmm. whether the model was wearing a full one-piece swimsuit but then it's posed and hidden out. And we do that in one of the shots where it ends up looking completely nude, but they were, act- she was actually wearing a full body suit through to if they are actually completely nude, but then you're using posing, light and shadow, camera angles to conceal any of those offensive mm-hmm. pink parts of the body that set off the <laughs> internet sensors. That's yeah. what we consider. Or, or, or brown
0: or beige parts, depending on who you're looking at. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Matt, like on, the, on that vein, so the, the, what drives you as a photographer to want to participate and play in this genre, knowing all the overhead that you get into when you're shooting it and sharing it and all that, what's, what's the motivating, motivating factor?
2: So I guess stepping back, uh, well, probably to when we first met, uh, I, I, have shot two books of art nude photography i've done a couple of exhibitions i teach on it around the world but to be perfectly honest once i moved to america it is a lot more sensitive here and i kind of put that to the side so then just keep at least some clothing on so that when we're teaching there's no issue with that you know uh, there's a whole can of worms here. I don't know if we want to open that up in this, but. <laughs> yeah, open it. Come on. It's the podcasting world. I'll, I'll circle world. Come back on. to that one. But I, <laughs> So I, I did a series um, where my second book actually was about why is it, and you touched on it, why is it okay for a 15-year-old to see someone get shot in the head but not to see a, a fully exposed woman's breast? Right. That's insane. Yeah. And going a step beyond that, a man's penis, the, their website gets shut down. You know, that's the worst thing in the world that half of the population has. Why is that an offensive thing? It's I can understand if it's, you know, outside a school or if it's clearly meant to be erotic, why some people find that offensive. Mm-hmm. And there is a time and a place for it. I get it that if you're... Scrolling through Instagram with your grandkids sitting next to you, you don't want to have to have that conversation every 30 seconds when something pops up that you weren't intending to see. I get that. But I also don't think it's offensive. So we did this whole book exploring that theme. And then, you know, it is – a sensitive topic. And Mm -hmm. especially last year, I feel like there was a lot of atmosphere in the photography community about this. So Steph and I really took our time and planned it out and thought about what are the lessons that will, for both parties, like to be PC, I would say to protect both parties, Mm -hmm. but in reality, to make it's for the models Safety when you're talking about a male photographer and a female model. I think there's obviously an imbalance there of who has what risk on the line right, yeah. but of course there is a risk of There are reputational risk of a photographer inadvertently doing the wrong thing, but I think it's more so For the model
0: and I want to so, dive into that part of it. That's a whole section that I want to chat about with you guys um, but the, the other side of that coin I think is you know, motivations notwithstanding, you know, the, the the human form in general, male or female, is, is art in and of itself. So, you know, applying light and shadow in your superpowers of being a photographer and You know, the 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 Stephanie skills of knowing how to model and knowing what looks good and how to pose and how not to pose. That's the artistic piece of it. But then the the monetary piece of it, sex sells, obviously. Right. And controversy, especially here in the U.S., I would imagine wherever humans are, sells. So. You know, and to put a fine point on it, this podcast itself, I would imagine, is probably going to be listened to and viewed more than many others, right? <laughs> because of the title and because of the yes. subject. Because of the it subject does, matter.
2: It does and it doesn't. So, yes, sex sells. Sex is the oldest profession. Go, there's, you know, books written on it ad nauseum. Yeah. But there will be sponsors out there who won't sponsor this podcast. Oh, for right. It. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So like we just put a video live two hours ago where it was a live photo shoot and I was showing how not nude, Steph was wearing a swimsuit, a one-piece swimsuit, um, how to refine a shot, So and we did it live. So over 20 minutes we showed, so here's a shot that kind of works and then we stepped through all the different techniques, posing, lighting, adjustments to get to the final shot. The YouTube algorithm decided that I guess the swimsuit they saw too much of her skin and decided <laughs> it's it's adult content and that it's not suitable for monetization and they're probably limiting who's allowed to watch it. Yeah. There was it, it was like it's it is, again, a fine line, because if you make a, a clear black and white of what we said, know this body part, know that body part. Well, just take a look on Instagram and find the five million photos uploaded today that follow that, mm. but that are hugely eroticized. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm wearing a thong, but I'm bent over the yeah. hood of a car coming, right. Right. come on. It's nothing to do with that. It's just an algorithm picking up skin. So yes, sex sells, but the reason I stopped doing that, and to be fully honest, Of course, that was part of the reason why as I was growing my channel, having a beautiful model on, that does help the the view count, as you said. Absolutely. But coming to the States and wanting to work with different brands, the risk reward wasn't there. So even though I agree, the body is art and you don't need to be a, a slim, attractive female for that to be the case. My book is men, women, 18 to 60 plus, people. It's all mostly non-models, actually. Um, You know, the reward isn't there when you are potentially offending so many people that other brands don't want to work with you. Yeah, yeah. But But, circling back, if we're going to do this series, then let's do it right and do it in a way where we can make sure that the shoots go smooth, help people get beautiful images, but also minimize the risk to the people involved. So communication and being clear that implied nude doesn't mean the same thing to everyone is an important step so we show shots where you can remain fully in a one-piece swimsuit and still get beautiful shots that imply nudity through to other ones that are going to need someone basically who knows how to do yoga to be able to get into the poses <laughs> and at all and it is a 90% trust thing yeah. where a wrong camera angle and it would be. Too
0: revealing. Isn't that interesting? That is so interesting because it's that that layer on top of just, you know, otherwise Fashion photography or portraiture or whatever you want to call it having that layer of okay It really matters this quarter of an inch could mean Mm -hmm. that this shot can be shown on Facebook or not because it shows this Extra fold of skin right there, which is gonna make people upset like that's got to be challenging from both the model standpoint and the photographer standpoint to play because you're playing in a box within a box Right. Mm -hmm. And then you still may get it wrong. Like you said, the algorithm may still say up too much skin. You're out of here. Right.
2: Yeah. So that's actually something we do in a couple of the shoots is to show, you know, I had mentioned before, if it's not going to be in the final image, then why does it need to be in the shot? Now, there Mm -hmm. are times. Sorry. Why does it need to be exposed at all? Mm -hmm. So let's so rather than speaking abstractly, I'm shooting a guy. We've said his penis won't be shot. Okay. so we're all adults about this. That's the understanding, but anything else is okay. So a man can put a sports sock over his privates. And if it's not going to be shown, then the shock shouldn't, the sock shouldn't show up either. Mm -hmm. And the doing things like that means that five years down the track, after I had this wonderful shoot with Frederick, where I captured him at his (laughs) peak and he made this beautiful art for his partner, Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry that, I've forgotten what we agreed couldn't couldn't be shown because if there's a sock in any of them then I clearly know well that wasn't meant to be shown right you know? right yeah so that's a great insurance policy because the last thing I would want to do as a photographer is to say on the day of a shoot XYZ won't be shown and five years later have a nipple slipped into some of the shots and forget that we had said that would never be shared and screw up yeah and have it come back to bite you let's
0: switch gears let's go down that track sort of the you know the how the course will take me from zero to hero in terms of knowing how to do this kind of photography and and stephanie from your standpoint i want to have you both chime in on this how does that work? So you, I know you have a relationship with, with Matt. You guys have been working together forever. You know each other. You trust each other, etc. But what if you don't have that? What if you don't have that friendship where you trust the other person and this you still want to shoot with them because you've seen their work? From your standpoint, what do you do? How do you proceed when a photographer reaches out to you and saying, hey, I want to do some nude or implied nude photography with you. Here's my body of work. What's next? How do you respond?
1: well i mean every model is going to be different so i don't want like all photographers to kind of base their story off of like my i guess process of how i go into working with photographers um i know models that are completely comfortable with implied and like nude and that's like their whole portfolio that's what their specialty is so they'll work with anyone that's willing to hire them Uh, for me personally i have a rule i don't I okay I will consider doing implied or nude after I have shot with you a handful of times. Mm -hmm. That's just because I would want to ensure that I'm comfortable working with you. I know what you um, like to shoot, like which angles that you like to shoot me. And I could like really do my poses. Every photographer has like different shooting styles. Some photographers, they just like to click away. Others, they like to prepare every single shot and like adjust lights. So since everybody's different, For me, I always kind of just, hey, hire me for a shoot first. Um, we'll just do normal photography, portrait, fashion, whatever it is, and then like after we have built up the rapport, then I will consider if you're if that is something that you, you would want. You. Then it's yeah.
0: like it's like you want to date before you get married, right? So you, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> you you don't, don't want to jump the gun and just no. bend down on one knee. And exactly.
2: Say, will
0: you, hey, will we you, had
2: a coffee at Starbucks. You will you marry me? me?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's it's the same in a way to the photographer again with a lower risk in the game, but shooting with models who aren't experienced and that isn't their specialty and I've never shot with them, I'm reluctant to to shoot, you know, to be the first time they're shooting with someone, if it's for any kind of a important project. If it's uh, somebody wants to shoot something, uh, I'm thinking specifically of one I did recently for their partner, they'd never done that kind of a shoot. They want to make a beautiful art print to give to their husband or boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. So, in that case, yes, I would do it. I would encourage them to have other people. You were in the same outfit. I know. <laughs> um, the, did you guys just I shoot did, this? Like, <laughs> no, that was like six weeks ago when she still had I, hair. Yeah, when I
1: still <laughs> have my long hair. <laughs> um, I would
2: encourage them to then have some friends or family there, whatever it is that's going to make them more comfortable. It could be being alone, but more often it would be having someone there. But shooting with someone when they've never done that kind of thing before, it's, it is difficult if you're not both experienced in it and, you know, if if one of the parties at least needs to be, I think, very experienced at it or the two of them need to know each other. So if a model and photographer have worked together a dozen times and are both really comfortable and they've both never shot this, but they want to get started, then this course will help and it does start you out with baby steps. But if, one of them is an expert and the other is brand new, then you can make that work as well. But if you're both inexperienced and you don't know each other, the chance of it getting just uncomfortable and miscommunication and not yielding great shots, I think is pretty high.
0: Yeah, yeah, it could could definitely go off the rails. I I remember I was at a, it was a, God, what was it? It was like a workshop or something where you know where there's a group of photographers and you're shooting and you're one of many and you know it wasn't a, it wasn't implied nude or nude, but it was a fashion type thing. And for some reason, I've been shooting since 1989, right? So for some reason. I had messed with my camera the night before, and I'd forgotten that I'd put it on back focus, (laughs) focusing, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't figure out how to trigger my camera. So I'm the guy sitting there like, what the heck is wrong with my camera? And my brain wasn't in that mode to troubleshoot it, because I felt like I was under the gun. There's this beautiful woman there that's waiting on me to shoot her, and all these people are behind me waiting their turn, and I was just like... You know, I just walked away, you know, (laughs) so
2: that's actually uh, the situation you're describing is what I had in mind when I started to mention uh, that I look for more experienced models when it's something important. So when I teach, for example, more than a particular look, I need someone who is super experienced and comfortable because that will happen. Mm -hmm. And if a photographer gets lost in his settings and it happens to all of us Mm -hmm. sometimes, the last thing you want is that awkward feeling to creep into the shoot of someone (laughs) being there, semi-clothed or undressed, getting uncomfortable because there's just silence in the room and they don't know right. what's going and on you're, the I guy. Really,
0: you're supposed to be the yeah, ceo I, of the shoot you're supposed to be in charge <laughs> you know what's going down you're you're demanding coffee you're moving lights and you're and you're expected to produce some amazing <laughs> work at the end of it right and if you lose confidence in your in your model or the people that are with you then you know what do you have now you're just a guy up there with a camera
2: yeah. well it again it comes back to communication so <sighs> I think it's helpful at every level, but especially when you're getting started as a photographer or as a model or as a collaborative partnership, to have reference images that are guiding where you're going, and then to you know be really clear. So we're going for this kind of a pose, but I want that kind of lighting and it's going to be this scene or this outfit or this whatever. And as you're working through and refining the shot, actually sharing it with the model, you don't necessarily have to be all professionally set up with tethering and whatnot, but to be able to show and say, so this is what's working. And this is what isn't keeping those, the lines of communication open is important. And again, being honest about your level whether it's a model or a photographer, if you present like you're some super experienced person (laughs) and never show the shots through the shoot and then they get them back and they're all garbage, then of course they're gonna be upset. If you make it clear, I've only done this twice, I know you're experienced, I'm willing to hire you, this is what I'm trying to create, but I'm not at that level yet, at yeah. least there's some kind of expectation. So then having something in writing about how images will or won't be used is also important.
1: <laughs> it goes both ways. If a model comes in and they're just like, I'm very experienced, but they can only pull off one pose, then it's, uh, that's kind of tough too.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, see that's, that's the key. And that's part of that I'm hearing, you know, there's, first there's honesty and communication, right, so between the, the model and the mm-hmm. photographer, and then sort of gauging each other's skill level you know where is it is it a newbie green photographer is it a newbie green model if so how do we compensate and Mm -hmm. it goes sounds like it goes back to communication how does that like the brass tacks and the tactical part of that communication work in the beginning is it do you do you matt do you do you set up a physical in-person meeting do you do a skype call or do you just roll the dice and show up at the location at the time
2: Uh, So it'll be a combination normally so there's a couple of different ways we do it So for example, I'm looking to book a model in another American city for the end of this month so I've gone on and looked at different model websites to see who Has the right kind of portfolio who clearly has done this kind of shooting before and then I'll reach out to them And I'm a little bit of a stickler if it's a job where I'm hiring someone and it's going to be a. It's. Go, it needs to be on this day, and we need to be clear on these five points. And it needs to start at one and wrap at six, and all of that needs to happen. Then, well, Steph helps me with this when we're running workshops together. It can be difficult, and as many photographers are flakes as are models. So I'm not yeah. suggesting this is a model only thing it's by a human any thing, means. Right? I, it's humans. humans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I try to be super specific, and I'll say, you know. To apply, you need to send me these four things, dot point one, two, three, four, and if the application is missing even one, even if they are the most gorgeous model I've ever seen in my life, I don't consider the application because at being attentive to detail and arriving, Not you know, how often we have a shoot where everything seems totally organized, but half an hour before the shoot, they get in the car and realize it's an hour drive to get there. I mean... Right. Come on. Yeah. That, yeah. I can't work like that. So yeah. I will. I try. I probably over communicate, especially if it's the first time I'm shooting with someone. I think we're both someone.
1: sticklers. I'm just like, no.
2: And maybe not going to tolerate it. So well. Good. Yeah. Because <laughs> it can go
0: go downhill from there. What about planning for the shoot? You know, yeah, we've talked about communication and 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 making sure that you're on the same page both of you the model and the photographer um, but the the goal of the shoot do you have man do you have a shot in mind that you know if I come away with this particular shot then you know the shoot was worth it or do you just throw yourself in there I got my lights I got my location I got my beautiful person there and I'm gonna see what I can harvest out of this situation how do you, how does your brain work
2: Every shoot will be different. I would say in the context of this series, I would strongly suggest going in with a theme and if possible, some specific shots. Mm-hmm. Steph and I work so much together now that if I have in, like I do today, six lenses to test out, I know I can just look out the window and see, OK, what light do we have to work with? Will it be indoors, outdoors? Steph always brings 20 outfits and that I can ad lib again because we have a shorthand now. I know what is good and what isn't, how much time we can spend outside in a New York winter in how many (laughs) layers of clothing, that kind of thing. We're good. But of course, if I'm hired to shoot uh, someone who hasn't shot before or someone who's less experienced or whatever the requirements are, then of course, sometimes it's going to be a matter of exploration. And in fact, we, we do that in the shoot as well. There's times where I'll go into a shoot and just start off on some basic poses that build up confidence, that build up trust, that help me gauge the communication and how well they take direction and what angles might look good for them, knowing that the first hour they're all going to be thrown in the trash. Mm -hmm. But from there, then I know what kind of, you know, do I need to mirror the pose for them? Do I need to show them reference shots? what's going to actually work and what kind of poses look good. And in that process, if we're talking implied or nude or well, anything where it's a portrait to get to know the model's preferences, you know, someone might have a preferred side or it could be something much more specific of they dislike a certain part of their body or that they. Now, how do you get that, how do you get that data? Body? Is it is it a conversation or is it? of a form or like how do you how do you capture that info if if you were doing it day in and day out then you're probably doing a form is not a bad idea but i have lost all um any sense (laughs) of being shy about asking those questions because it's just more important to have the conversation in not speaking about uh, nude photography but generally through my portraiture over the years Every time something has ended up blowing up where some where there was a miscommunication and someone didn't like something, I had an inkling of it at the time, but didn't have the conversation. And I think it's kind of true of when a lot of business deals or this or that go wrong as well, where you yeah. can sense there's something in the air that hasn't been specifically addressed. I just address it. And so, and I assume everyone involved is going to be adults. So saying, uh, are you comfortable looking at this shot with this much butt on show Mm -hmm. yes or no delete if no you know have this specific conversation it may feel a little bit uncomfortable the first time but words like penis and vagina don't make the roof fall down so saying it specifically it's the mature way of going about it so i'll I just I get really specific about it. That that that
0: advice works in much of life. Matt Granger, I'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> communication <laughs> and uh, a boss of mine back in the day used to say good fences make good neighbors. Right. So if you understand where the boundaries like are, then there's you know, not a whole lot of confusion when somebody steps over one. Um, what about the team? Like the team that that is on site, I know it it varies obviously from shoot to shoot depending on what you're trying to get, but do you typically work with makeup artists? You know, obviously probably not a stylist, but makeup artists and and that sort of thing?
2: It depends on the shoot, but I am very fortunate. Well, probably it was by design. I started working with Steph because I (laughs) knew she had a YouTube channel. She acted, she has great complexion. I'm not big on doing lots of retouching and she's not, I don't want to say this like it's a criticism of people who are, but she's also not a little, she's not at all vain. So if she is, if she does have a pimple or uh, she's a bit bloated or she's got a little bit of cellulite or something, it's not something that she has an issue with it being in the final image. So she she can do her makeup. So generally, unless it's for a specific campaign or something where we need a look, then, yeah, we might get someone. But for you know, everyday beauty slash glam stuff, then Steph is able to do that herself. But I think, and he's one of those, I feel like there's something in the (laughs) air that should be specifically addressed things. A lot of photographers are uncomfortable with models bringing people to the shoot. Mm -hmm. And I think it is really worth addressing. So from both aspects, one, I would say as a blanket rule to photographers, if the model wants to bring someone, let them. Yeah. If you have a shoot, and it does sometimes happen where the studio says there's a maximum of six people allowed to be on set or whatever, then those kind of issues need to be worked out. Mm -hmm. And from the photographer's point of view, yes, there are times where having that extra person on set can be a pain in the ass just because of the personality of the person. Or you have someone who has no artistic eye, has no real interest in the shoot, but wants to have their two cents listened to all the time, that can be difficult and distracting. But just having someone in the room for the comfort of the model, especially if they're undressed and, you know, vulnerable, or anyway, having someone come to a place they don't know to meet a photographer they don't know. I mean, when I go and shoot a guy for the first time, I'll have my wife call me 10 minutes after I'm there just in case. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah no, that yeah. that Domber yeah, shoot is not going insane. well. No, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny the first time I shot with Steve, a guy in Sydney. Hi, Steve. Both of our partners called us at a, almost exactly the same time. And we both had to acknowledge, yes, yeah, they were calling to check you're not a psycho. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. You, you never know. Right? <laughs> so I think the, the main thing is if you're concerned about that as a photographer, so let's say first time I'm shooting with Steph, she says, is it okay if I bring my partner Tim along? He'll just be in the corner playing on his phone. I'll just be more comfortable. If it's going to be like that, then maybe having them copied in so they've at least seen the reference photos is a good idea. By the way, that is (laughs) Steph's partner, Tim. Um, There he is. So that, you know, there isn't that surprise. The last thing you want is for someone to bring uh, their friend along, who had no idea that they were going to be undressing, who then feels uncomfortable at what's going on, you know. But generally speaking, if someone requests to have someone there, it's I think almost mandatory that you need to. I don't see why to- you
0: why you would decline that because it almost, from my perspective, it, it, my perspective, it seems like it would be weird to decline that. That that would be like. You know, my daughter's going to have a have a photo shoot done with some strange guy and he's adamant that I not be there. Right. <laughs> Even though, you know, that would be a red flag for me. And then the other side of it is just from a legal, you know, self-preservatory standpoint, do you want to like is it is it better to have a third person there so that it's it doesn't become a he said she said sort of situation or does that matter?
2: Well, certainly I know photographers who like to have the makeup artist or someone on set so they have a witness, so to speak, as well. Um, Look, I, I, I really don't know. But, I mean, I've had situations too where I'm outnumbered even though I'm the the six foot tall photographer and I felt uncomfortable where I would then want to bring someone along. You know, I was shooting a couple shoot in Vegas and they were asking, is it okay to bring a friend along? And the friend had a hunting knife in their belt. I'm like, well, leave that at reception and then you can sit in the corner. But we all just met. That's a bit too much, (laughs) you know. Um, But it's about being reasonable. And I think, again, setting expectations. Most of the time this is, you know, you want to do your background, I wouldn't go and just meet with anyone in a dark alley, you know, without some kind of a, some kind of a safety plan in place. Yeah, but it
1: happens a lot where like photographers are like, you can't bring anybody with you. And it's like,
0: yeah. What do you, no. uh, Steffi, what, do, what do you do in that situation? If you, if you, there's somebody you really want to shoot with and they say no, and you're like, yeah, I want to bring my, my partner along with me um, for whatever reasons. And they say, no, absolutely not. I don't allow third parties on this, on the shoot. What, what's your response?
1: I say, all right, well, thank you, but I'm going to have to pass. Yeah. Because it, it's just, I don't know. It's like, it's my safety. Like, I do have little tricks here and there because not, Um, Every shoot I could bring somebody with me So I do implement like some little tips and tricks just to make sure that I'm safe when I like go to shoots by myself But I mean, I don't see a reason why that is an issue, but it happens a lot I think I actually got that a few weeks ago Uh, somebody said that they wanted a wanted three references for my escort. And I was like, what?
0: But you don't for want... Your, like oh, really? <laughs> What? Really? And I was
1: like, you didn't want references from me? Yeah. I was like, okay. I mean, yeah, thanks, wow. but no thanks. <laughs>
2: wow. And keep in mind, it it's not just uh, the obvious thing that uh, a woman going to meet a guy, there's a risk there. It's, it's for anyone, really. Yeah. So Steph is a fourth-degree black belt, and I'm 200 pounds. It doesn't mean that you're not needing to be aware of what the potential risks are. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it, the bottom line is, is common sense, too, right? So it's like when you're when you're traveling in a strange city, Darwin will tell you to walk at one o'clock down a dark alley. Right. It's just sort of don't do stupid stuff. And you you could stay with the herd, basically. So, yeah, no, that's that's awesome. OK, so uh, the one of the last things I want to chat about is just sort of pro models versus the the amateur models, both from a photographer standpoint and from a model standpoint. How do you like how do Matt from your side first, how do you know that. I mean, I know we talked about the the questionnaire and having conversations and all that stuff. But until you get on set, you don't you don't really know. So what's what's your process for finding these people and then culling out, you know, sort of separating the wheat from the chaff, if you know, if that's Uh, a good analogy.
2: Portfolio is normally the best thing. If someone has really shot a lot and has experience, has someone who has also shot a lot, I can see it from the images. So circling back to what makes a good model, and this is a one-sided thing, please, you chime in as well. But (laughs) it's not just about being gorgeous. So to get a a great headshot of someone or great candids or the occasional really nice portrait, then yes, there are people who are just more photogenic. But when, let's just talk about a full nude, when you need to pose your entire body, that just doesn't come naturally to people. You know, that's and it's it's actually the I think the challenge for a photographer as well, that if I'm shooting a headshot, I need to light and get the angles in the most flattering way for this much. Mm -hmm. When we're talking about the entire body, I need to light and consider all of that and think that maybe we Maybe we don't want to put attention on the stomach. We do want the hip. We want to make sure that it's lit all the way to the, the face, that everything is in focus and you're not just focused on the eye and then everything else is out or focused on something else and the face is out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is more difficult. I always have thought of implied and nudes as kind of normal portraiture on steroids or just three levels up because you need to build the rapport really quickly the chance of things getting awkward is higher so you (laughs) need to do your job really well you have potentially the entire body on show where you need to consider all of that and be more nuanced and then like you said before that quarter of an inch angle difference or hand position can make the difference between a PG or is that what you call it here? Like a a suitable for work image and an R rated image. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Wow.
0: See this, this is, this is why the world needs a course like this, right? Because all these little nuances of things that you may, you know, people may look at a, a nude or implied, shot and say, ah, oh, that's easy. I could do that. You just put the light there, you know, find a pretty person, lay them there and take some photos. That's it. Put it online. You got instant likes. There's a little more that goes into it than
2: that, there, right? Yeah. There is, but there are some shots that are close to being that easy. It's knowing how to set them up and to be you know, sensitive to what kind of, not every pose works for every person. There's, we did a whole series of yoga inspired shots in this that uh, require more, I think trust, but definitely more experience as a photographer and as a model in terms of posing. But there was still a third of them that Steph couldn't pull off as yes. a slim athletic experience model because they just required too much flexibility. And there'll and, be shots okay. that, again, we're speaking as adults, that will suit someone really curvaceous and buxom Mm -hmm. or chubby, but won't suit Steph and vice versa. Yeah,
1: and some that I could see that could have been approved way better if like somebody else was doing it for a certain body type. And I can already see that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But going back to your uh, question in terms of like, I guess pro model and amateur model, uh, definitely portfolio helps a lot. Um, for me, like I, I mean, I'm a model, but I still look at other models just for like inspiration or like just examples and, um, just to see like, okay, how can I improve? Because it's still an ongoing thing of like, how can I become a better model? Um, what else can I do? Uh, I think amateur models, uh, I mean, this is a baseline. I feel personally like they usually only have like one look, I think. Uh, pro models are able to really like show different expressions, different looks, um, and really like play with their hands, like their their face. Like they can emote better mm-hmm. through photos. Yeah. I mean, it's not a video; it's a photo. But if there's still something that you could get from it, then I think that that would really define a pro model.
0: And that's a, that's a huge superpower that I've seen when I see models on set, professional models that know how to hit the pose, um, and they put up. As both of you guys know, they models put up with an amazing amount of abuse over sustained periods of time <laughs> and still have to look amazing and better,
2: you know. So, and it's knows? exhausting. <laughs> yeah, I if can't... you've been on the other side of a camera, try standing on tippy toes with your hands in the air, smiling beautifully, and with your hip at a certain angle so you don't have a skin fold here. Mm-hmm. Try and hold it for 30 seconds and then go to a shoot and see models being expected to hold it for five minutes. It's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. So good <laughs> tip for photographers as well, when you stop to figure out why your camera isn't autofocusing, tell the model they can chill for 30 Please. seconds and you know, so you don't end up with someone like, cramping up on you.
1: Like I have pulled way more muscles doing modeling than I have in Taekwondo. What? And, yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy. Like. I like Wait, from posing
0: of, or fighting off photographers? Like what?
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> from, posing, from posing. Like just pointing my toes or like – because we're constantly flexing. So then we relax. And then flex again. Relax. Yeah, it, it It's painful. Yeah. I mean after a while. You just pull a muscle and you're like
0: you – just suck uh, it up. Suck it up, him, kid. Yeah.
1: I'm good. I'm good. I, I got it.
0: So, Matt, here, here's a hypothetical question for you. So what would you uh, – if you had the choice between a dream model that you wanted to sh- you've been trying to shoot this model forever and ever, or you've you've seen photos of this person forever and ever as a celebrity or whatever. Um, and you know, you know you're gonna get a good shot with this person, you think, with your skill set, but this person is an amateur and they're not a good model, period. They just, you know, are nature smiled upon them and they, you know, they look a certain way. Um, versus a average or below average looking model that knows every nook and cranny of how to pose knows the camera angles the, the this lens makes me look skinny oh yeah you know, all that stuff somebody more experienced versus somebody that 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 hit the genetic lottery which one would you go with
2: <laughs> um, so, and I think this is an important one to ask yourself for the start of any shoot. It's gonna depend what I wanna do with the images yeah, or what yeah. the point of the shoot is. I'm not trying to avoid your question, I'll be specific. If I have been sponsored by a company to make a tutorial or to test their equipment, or I'm trying to review something that's really hot and I want to do, or I'm making a tutorial series like we're doing at the end of the month that I'm hiring a model for, I want reliability and experience above everything else um in your specific example if i'm looking to sell shots Mm -hmm. then a celebrity is the way to go even if they can't pose yeah if i'm you know just trying to create beautiful portfolio it's again it's it's difficult because i'm trying to be think of if i'm if you're just asking me as a joe on the street what do i want to then put on my instagram feed i would say go for the person who knows how to pose if you're looking for more than one shot yeah if you're looking just for that one shot then the famous or gorgeous person is the way to go. But if you're looking to sell it or something like that, the, it's a different kind of Yeah, it's okay.
0: a it's a it's an unfair question because there's so many variables in there. It depends on what you want to do with the images and where your career is and you know
2: it, Is this your way of asking me to shoot you because I would be happy to? Yeah, because I'm that, <laughs> that I'm that below average person, yeah, thank you.
1: Oh, I was gonna say oh, celebrity. Well, I mean,
2: that's a perfect merging of the two, those looks and that smile. Whatever. Never, whatever. Notice not the camera is not going
0: lit. back on me right now. You see? Oh, you're blushing? Uh, <laughs> So on that on that same that that same sort of vein, you know, in here in, in pop culture in the United States right now, I would imagine around the world, the there's this sort of movement towards um the celebration of oh, being overweight or heavyweight or acceptance of that. You know, we've seen a lot of celebrities that are, you know, like Lizzo and all these different people that are like, you know what, you know, it's fine to be like this. The should new photographers not asking you about you specifically, Matt, but should new photographers consider shooting a particular body style or shape or race or something to create a body of work along that genre? Or or should they just keep it loose and shoot everybody?
2: Okay. So again, I would say it depends where you're trying to go with yeah, it. Yeah, so yeah for me if someone's hiring me to take so i actually i get this question quite a lot over the years whether it's about uh looks or size or whatever um that like how am i going to shoot this overweight woman in in implied or how i got this one specifically i couldn't believe it of someone who'd been hired to shoot a wedding and they're both tattooed and ugly how do i go about this Mm -hmm. i'm quoting And I said, well, they don't think they're ugly. just shoot them like people. like yeah. yeah. we're talking about it. they are they're marrying each other. They want as beautiful shots as you can create of them. So pose them in the most flattering way. light them, choose the right backgrounds, and shoot them like they're Brad and Angelina. You, yeah. and don't be a dick. Yeah. Um, yeah In terms of like finding your niche, however, um, again, it really depends where you're trying to go with it. If your goal is to get Instagram likes, then yeah, the import model will probably get you the best clicks. Yeah. If you're looking to create a business, then you should, you know, watch your the people who are going to pay, essentially. If you're an advertising photographer and you're trying to sell lifestyle stuff, then it's going to depend on that brand. It may be same sex couples that they want included in their campaign because it reflects their brand. They If it's Nike, they're maybe more likely to want an athlete than an overweight singer. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, I don't think it's my job as a photographer to, prom- to not promote an unhealthy lifestyle by excluding overweight people. I mean, as an overweight person who's been much more overweight in the past, I don't have a prejudice of big people being in any way less worthy, but I I do get it. It's, and it's the, it's true. And not to, you know, be rude to my audience that I've created over the years, but if I have Steph in a swimsuit or someone who's 400 pounds in a swimsuit, I know the conversation is going to be really mean on the ladder and probably more negative overall in terms of performance and the attitude of it. So uh,
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's a hard question. I'm full of hard questions today. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's my coffee.
2: I don't know. (laughs) If if you're looking to create a business, then maybe being someone who is a plus, uh, you know, there's people who focus on uh, things as specific as interracial couples for weddings Mm -hmm. or that. Or same sex uh, or whatever. Or if you're in a certain community that focuses on. Hispanic couples or that, you know, whatever that, that is in your area, that's kind of your niche. And if you get known for it, then that's fine. There's certainly countless photographers who have a name for shooting bikini models or fitness models or this or that. There's no reason why there can't be a photographer who's really well known for shooting chubby black men. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But getting getting just, started, though, like if you're you're just getting started in, in doing this, does it make sense to focus down and be that specific? Or should should you like try to shoot as many different kinds of body styles, races, everything as you can and then
2: niche down and say, hey, I'm just going to shoot chubby black men. <laughs> um so I guess it depends how early, oh, sorry, my cat's about to jump on the sofa. Oh, good, um, bring, bring that cat in here. <laughs> <laughs> um, it depends, again, where you're trying to go with it. So if you're really at the beginning and you're trying to learn, sorry, just stopping a fight there, um, then I would say as much diversity in terms of body types and shooting situations is great. If you've only ever shot middle-aged white guys in boardrooms, when it comes to shoot the interracial couple on the beach, you might be so out of your element you don't know what to do. Um, So as a learning experience to build those muscles, then diversity is great. In terms of like building a name or building a brand, and this is no longer about implied, this is just about, it's even about should I be shooting people or landscapes or mm-hmm. travel or architecture, yeah. then there's two ways to go about it. The pragmatic, I want you to succeed answer is it's pretty, most photographers I know nowadays aren't just shooting, they're also building websites, they're freelancing doing that, and they're taking what jobs they can get. So saying, I only shoot this before you have a name for it is going to be difficult. So shooting everything and over time, refining it to the point that you're doing this specialty is a smart way to do it. On the flip side, when I look at a lot of the photographers who I really admire over time, whether they're famous, financially successful or obscure, it is people who've built up an amazing body of work and it does tend to be around theme. So, for example, uh, there's so many examples. Pick Annie Leibovitz. I often use her as example. I bet she could take fantastic landscape shots, but she's not famous for it. Yeah. yeah. You, you know her body of work with celebrities and portraiture. Likewise, I bet Ansel Adams could take a decent headshot if he needed to, but that's not what he's known for. So people who, and they may be outliers being celebrities already. My friend, Rinzi Ruiz, who is in LA, he's an amazing street photographer who has extremely dramatic light and shadow and you see a shot and you just know it's his. It doesn't need to have his name on it. You know it's his and he's getting known. He's not a huge name yet, so to speak, but, or even like your art school dropouts YouTube <laughs> channel, they're consistent, they're doing great work. And if and when the day comes that they do blow up, they already have this huge body of work that shows their specialty, that's focused, that you has a signature style to it already. That I think is an easier way to become like an a, a real legend in what you're doing, rather than someone who's doing well, you know, paying the bills, just yeah. kind of, Just doing sort of
0: well. yeah, muddling by. So what? So the about the course. So back to the course as we come up on oh, yeah. hour here. <laughs> that thing. Uh, so w- where? Tell me, tell me about it. Wait, what's in the course? Um, how long is the course? When is the course going to be available? You know, all that good stuff you want to jump on this or I'll go?
1: Oh, okay. Well, it is available right now for anybody that is interested. Uh, If you guys go to mattgranger.com forward slash implied. She's done this uh, before. (laughs)
2: It's about
1: four hours.
2: Yep. Four hours long.
1: Yeah. You could get it in 4K or 1080. Yep. Yep. so nice. what's
2: in it, We, if you go to the page, we are pretty specific. So unlike the series, we're quite explicit about what is included in the series. One thing to note for all of this talk, the course is still aimed at an adult audience because some of the shoots although the final images we're creating are implied, there is some nudity in the shooting process. And because it's multi-camera setups so that you get an idea of how we're shooting, there is a little bit of nudity in there. So we have, as you're seeing on screen, a whole section where Steph goes through and talks about the model's perspective and answers a whole bunch of questions we got. We do some more artistic high-concept stuff, the yoga stuff we also i show shooting with a guy who is steph's partner tim who has never done a shoot like this before and his you know, for one of a better word, a regular guy, um, as well as couples where, and it's often the case if you get into this field of doing paid work, that one of the couple has some experience and the other doesn't and is kind of being dragged along kicking and screaming <laughs> by their partner. So that was quite realistic as well. Yep. But we go through posing and setting up the expectations with the the model. Uh, it's got editing presets and it's got so much stuff. It's got my Art Nude Posing Guide as a bonus as well that is full nudes, but that's got about 60 different poses. Um, there's quite a bit. Yeah, in there. Yeah, it, sounds like it sounds comprehensive.
0: So from start to finish, if I if I go through this course with mm-hmm. just sort of being the, the, the shy guy, you know, I want to I want to shoot this kind of photography, but I don't know where to start. And I'm afraid I'm going to mess up by the end of it. I should I should be Matt Granger. Is that what you're telling me? Well, hopefully you'll have more hair than me. It's not that
2: stressful, of course. You
0: have have many times
2: more hair than me, my friends. (laughs) (laughs) We've had, um, well, uh, by choice, though. We've we've had fantastic feedback on it from people who have just done their first shoot through to people who've been shooting for ages but picked up a few tips here and there. Um, I would say if you we don't go through the basics of how to turn on your camera and attach a lens and all of that kind of thing. We're focused in on this genre. But we do talk about you know, using continuous light or window light, that kind of thing, so you don't need to rush out and buy a bunch of gear. I'd say by the end of just watching it, you're not gonna be able to do everything in the series. But if the end of watching a module, if you then go and apply those lessons and take sample photos and explain the concept with a model and plan it and think it through, you'll be able to create shots that you like, you know, but it's, of course, you can't just watch four hours and then catch up on 10 years of modeling and 20 years of photography experience. But I'm, I'm confident it'll answer those. Basically, we're trying to answer those questions to help people avoid common pitfalls, to communicate clearly and I think the most important to create images that both the photographer and the model were down to shoot and are happy with the result rather than my style or necessarily fitting a certain censorship guideline. It's about creating shots that you guys think are beautiful and are what you agreed to do.
0: All right, so in terms of what's in this bundle, you know, this this bundle is a, you put like the kitchen sink in there uh, all for that one that one low price plus a bunch of all the, the bundles probably equal what the the price of the course is. What are what's in the bundles? We know what's in the course, but what's in the bundle side and all the different pieces that I get?
2: Okay, so first of all, it's ten eighty or four K, and that's mm-hmm. the same price. So You just choose whichever one you would like, and so that comes with all of the materials we talk about through that we've talked about here, basically the four hours worth of content. Then we've got three bonuses, let's see if I can remember them all. It's uh, editing presets for Lightroom and Capture One, a copy of my Art Nude Posing Guide, which is, it is actually full nudes, but that's a video and a PDF of poses where we show how to get them into the pose, what the camera angle needs to be and where the light source is. So you can take that along basically as a cheat sheet. And then also a copy of my second book, which is the one I mentioned earlier about why we do we consider nudity to be such a taboo thing these days but it's that. it's art nudes shot in public places all around the world
0: love it well thanks both of you guys for coming on this is a uh, you know this is one of the first interviews of 2020 that i've done i can't think of a a, a, a better people group of people to do it with and a better topic to do it with i think this is a if you're considering this kind of photography um or were were ever curious about it this is the perfect course to kind of get your feet wet at the very least even if you don't intend to shoot just to understand this genre of photography better i think is is important you guys are doing important stuff and matt you're always doing important stuff like (laughs) putting putting nude people at intersections
2: in shinjuku or something right (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? i mean i don't want to be a stickler but it was shibuya not Shinjuku, okay, yes. Shibuya, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing the Lord's work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And be- before we end this, uh, Stephanie Fam, where I-, I heard a couple of mentions that you have a YouTube channel. Where oh, is this yes, YouTube channel if people wanna, you know, keep up with what you're working on?
1: uh okay so my youtube channel it's called art school dropouts uh we have like other channels that we're gonna start up soon um but art school dropouts is the main one that i actually help manage uh so the content that i have on there is way different than the stuff that i'm doing with mats um it's uh martial arts action comedy we do a lot of like short films sketches web series oh, features that's
0: killer that's cool yeah
1: we're basically filmmakers really and we like uh old school like if you guys like jackie chan or Samuel Hung, like hong kong 80s action type of stuff that's
0: oh man I, of, I grew up yeah. on that stuff are you kidding me yeah yeah i have a i have a, a brother that's that's like two years older than me and you know a, every saturday we were running around running around the house yeah. either having watched those or cartoons or some godzilla marathon or something <laughs> so that was, <laughs> that, was that was the classics, the classics. they're so good and they're back now i think because you know it's like well, you can, you can make
1: to help me back. Yeah,
0: but I think <laughs> people appreciate them now, I think, differently because now people can make this kind of quality on their phone in a lot of ways, shooting 4K video on a phone and editing on the phone. Uh, now, yeah. looking back then at what they had to go through to get that, it, it gives yeah. you a new level of respect, I think. So, yeah. cool. So All right. So, stuff. art yeah. school dropouts. All right. Yes. So, I'll put that in the lower third and in the show notes for this episode. Well, Great. cool. Well, thanks thanks to both of you for coming on again. I, I appreciate it. And uh, Matt, your your URL is not that Nikon guy anymore, right? So what what's the new URL for Matt Granger? <laughs>
2: I branded it in a really wild way. It's MattGranger.com. What?
0: Really? I know,
2: right? Right? He's a a wild man. He's a wild man. (laughs) I have been thinking to change my name now that I'm in America. Well, I'll wait till I move to Hollywood. There you go. There you go. go. (laughs)
0: Thank you for having us on. It's really nice to chat. (laughs) You're welcome. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. I'll see you next time.
1: All right. Bye.
0: This his twin.